And we heard from five different people uh, basically the same word, and the word was simply this. The children of the kindling of revival at Vintage 242. Basically, when we talk about revival, all we mean is just this fresh move of God's Spirit. Something that just is uh, obviously the supernatural move of God. And so it was one of those things that for us, for, for Randall and I, that uh, even we uh, just heard, like we were talking one day and felt like God was speaking something. It wasn't ultra clear to us. Like we, we know it involves our kids. We can't figure it out. And then got a phone call about an hour later. Hey, this is so-and-so. I, I, I'm just praying this morning. I felt like God was speaking something. I need to come and sit down with you. I just need about 15 minutes of your time. They came and they sat down. And basically they completed the picture that we, were, we didn't have clarity on. That morning, Basically, they came in and shared the other part of it, made this clear picture, and it basically was simply this. God wants to do something miraculous and powerful in our children and through our children. And so as we come this morning, we talk about all these things that God is doing, and we've been coming up here, and you know, we've been saying, please help us in the, please help us in the, in the village need volunteers. The reality for us is this. We, we, we look at our kids and recognize we're not here to babysit them, because we recognize that God has something for us through them. And so this morning as they come and as they sit here, I want you to simply to see their faces because I want you to recognize that, that God wants to do something in us through the life of our children. And I want you to see their beautiful faces, right? They're all very handsome, good-looking, beautiful, whatever it may be. And as they're sitting here, I simply want you to put your hands forward and I'm going to just pray for them. I want you to put your hands forward as I pray. I want to encourage you to pray for them also that God would do in them what he wants to do. But as we pray for them, I want you to recognize that that this is the group that God wants to do something in right now for on behalf of the church as a whole. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this group of children that are represented here, God. This is the, the calling you have on their life and the destiny that you have for them, God. I praise you, Jesus, that, that they're not the church of tomorrow, but God, you're using them today, God, to, to speak life and to do wonderful and powerful and amazing things. And God, we, we simply say yes to those things, God. Lord, would you do in them what you want to do, God, so that you can change them. And in changing them, God, we simply say, would you come change us, Jesus? We want to see you move, God. We want to see this thing that you have for us through our children. And so, God, we just say yes and amen, God, to your will and your desire in us through them. God, I pray for their teachers, God, for the next several months, God, that you would, that you would simply empower them, God, with your voice, Lord. God, I, the reality is, God, you're calling all of us, God, to invest into our children. And we pray simply those who are investing, that you would empower them, give them wisdom, Jesus. And that you would do a fresh work in us, God, because of our children. Father, we love you. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. All right, give our kids a round of applause for being so great. And kids, y'all go ahead and follow Miss Amita. Y'all can go back to your room and get out of this boring place, all right? All right. So uh, what I want to do this morning is, is something simple. Um, we, uh, you know, I recognize at Vintage that we're in a, a place of, of transition, uh, just in a transition in our, in our lives and who we are as a ministry. And, you know, it's one of those things that I talk to people all the time and, and, and people come and there's just this level of tension inside of them, this frustration, maybe even an anxiety with, with change or things that are new. Obviously, we looked up here this morning and, 
You know, Tate's not here. For those of you who are new, our worship leader and his wife, uh, she did children's and Tate did our worship and our youth. He went and took a college ministry position at Georgia College and State University. And uh, so for vintage right now, things are, are in flux, right? There's this, this there's transition going on. And, and so I know a lot of times for us in the midst of transition, that can be a difficult season for us. And so what I want to do this morning is this. I want you to all take a deep breath with me. Let it go. And I want to say this. What we're going to do this morning, I'm simply going to paint a picture for you of what I believe that's going on spiritually here at Vintage. I want you to hear from me. This is your first time at Vintage. You get to get a snapshot into the, kind of a window into our spiritual soul this morning of, of who we are at Vintage, where God is taking us, and what God is, I believe, doing in the midst of the moment. And uh, you may look and go, that's what? I don't understand any of that, and that's fine. You just ask somebody. We're in this great season, this difficult season. So I want to speak to that this morning. I want to give you a snapshot in my own mind of where we are, what God is doing. And hopefully as we leave, we'll, we'll leave having a clear understanding of who Jesus is in the midst of Vintage 242. Is that cool with you all? All right, good. Here we go. On the morning of May 24th, this was this, this past year, a couple of months ago, uh, we were in our uh, every, we have a Tuesday morning, we have a, a prayer time at 6.30 every Tuesday morning here at Vintage. And so this on May 24th, it was a Tuesday morning, we were in our prayer time. It was, it was Pat Gifford, myself, and Steve Setzer, just the three of us, and we were here. And as I sat down in the chair to pray that morning, all of a sudden I, was, I just had this real sense of, of anxiety. A real, uh, 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 it's a real sense of frustration. You know those moments you feel frustrated and you feel anxious? And I just had that. I was feeling it. I was experiencing it. And there was nothing going on in my life at the moment that should have caused that tension, right? I, there was nothing. I, wasn't, I was thinking, my gosh, why am I feeling this? this is so bizarre. And, and as I was thinking through it, I, I felt it specifically in the context of, of vintage, vintage, our, our church. And, and I was like, this is just so strange. What is this? And so I shared it with Pat and Steve and said, I don't know what's going on, but I think we need to pray into this. I don't know what's going on in people's lives or at vintage, but I think we should just take some time and pray into this. And they said, fine. And so we began to pray. And as I sat, I just, we went straight into worship. And as we sat in worship, I just began to, I just sat still before the Lord. You know, Psalm says, be still and know that I am God. So I was like, God, I'm going to be still in this moment. I'm just going to just listen for your voice and just see if you're speaking anything can bring some clarity into the moment for me. I'm, this is really strange and odd. I don't know what to do with this. But God, so I just asked the question, God, what is this? How many of you have asked that question? God, what is this? What's going on? What's stirring in me? So I sat there for about 10 minutes and, and all of a sudden, I just, I just sensed the Lord speaking into the moment. And I've shared this a little bit with us at Vintage over the last several weeks, but I want to share specifically what I wrote down this morning. Because what I wrote down that morning was I believe it's, it's what God is speaking to us right now in this season of transition. And here are the words that I wrote down. Something along these lines I just wrote down in my journal. It said, Vintage is in a season of birth pangs. Right? Those birth pains you feel, that women feel. Contractions for a pregnant woman are painful, they're difficult, they're scary. And if she doesn't know why she's having them, it will produce concern, fear, anxiety, frustration, and confusion. So God's sitting there saying, hey, listen, you're in this season of birth pains. You're in this season. And this painting a real practical picture. If a woman's pregnant and doesn't know it, and she has birth pains, these contractions, it scares her half to death. All right, ladies, would you attest to that? If you didn't know you were pregnant and you started having those, you'd freak out, right? But those who have them, they know, they understand what they are. It doesn't freak them out. So he goes on and says this. We, and he said to the, just, I feel like he was speaking in the moment. He says, we are in a season of next steps, a season of birth. 
And we are experiencing these birth pangs. And we must understand that our contractions are a part of the birth process. And the birth, or this damn birth, is on God's timing. The birth of what God is doing here is God's timing. Now, you're sitting there saying, okay, Steve, what's the, what is he birthing? What is that? I'm like, I don't really know, right? But there's some sort of vision, something on the heart of God, for vintage, something that he's trying to do in us that's on his timing, something that he does, he does in his timing, that, and that we get frustrated because we don't know what's going on. We like to know what's going on. And we get frustrated because it's not happening in our time span, and, and that just happens to us all the time. It's not happening when I want it to, I'm just frustrated. So, so God is saying to us in this season, what he's been speaking to in this season is, listen, there's transition going on. Your transition is like birth pains, right? These birth pains, all this stuff, this tension that you have, this turmoil, all these frustrations, all this anxiety and all this worry. And he's speaking in the moment and saying, but listen, it's okay. It's okay. Because it's simply the contraction before the birth comes. It's simply the birth pain before the thing that I, I'm bringing in my time. And, he, and he's saying, you've got to get comfortable with God's timing. Because I, Tom Fraley, who spoke at youth camp, he once said, this is about 10 years ago, he looked at Randall and he said, you know what, you know, what's, you know, one thing you can trust about God's timing. He said, what's that? He's always late. <laughs> right? He's always late. He's always just after you think that he should be, and then you realize later it's perfect timing, right? And so he's saying in this moment, this idea, and so for us, what I feel like God is speaking is that we really are in this great transition. And, and all of us know that in transitions in life, and, and there's all these difficulties that, that there are always, if we're real practical about life, that there are always hiccups in life. There are always speed bumps everywhere that you go that kind of set you going, oh my gosh. It's like you're, you get rattled in the moment. You're like, oh my gosh, what is this? And, then, and life is like this for us all the time. All these hiccups and all these kind of bumps in the roads, all these transitions, all these contractions that we feel in our life, these birth pains that of like, oh my gosh, what is going on? God, what is this that I'm feeling? And so in the context of it, when I talk to a, I talk to a bunch of people all the time, and what I sense from a good number of people is this, they just feel unsettled. That there's this tension that they're feeling. And so it's being expressed in their own life in a sense of worry or frustration or anxiety or tension, whatever it may be. And they're all feeling this in their life, just like we're feeling it here at Vintage. Every week we, we see new faces of people in our, and familiar faces that are gone. And it's like, what's going on at Vintage? We have all these things. Uh, what's going on? There's just all this stuff. And God is speaking in the moment saying there's tension. There's always tension in life. And we're in this moment of contraction and birth pain. What he tells us, he tells us in Philippians, he says to Paul, listen, it's important that you keep your eyes on the prize. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, just listen or you can read along. It says this, brothers and sisters, I'm going to add that because it's true. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. The prize of what God has, this vision of this destination that God has for him. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind... Forgetting today and yesterday, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead, I press 
on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so Paul's sitting here in the moment saying, listen, I see my destination. My destination is ultimately Jesus. And so, so there are moments he's sitting here saying, listen, I recognize that to reach the, the goal of the vision, to reach the prize sometimes, it's going to take everything I have in me. I'm going to strain. How many of you know that when you strain, it means something is difficult? You don't have to strain when things are easy, right? And so Paul said, listen, things are hard in this race of life that I'm running. In the race of the thing that I'm moving in the kingdom, things are really hard and I'm having to press on when it's really, really difficult. I'm having to keep my eyes on the prize and make sure that I'm always moving because there are hiccups, there are, there are obstacles in my way and I'm going to have to jump and I'm going to have to move and it's going to be difficult. He's saying in the moment that when we're in these moments... You have to keep your eyes on the prize, the destination, the vision of your goal. And as you continue, you have to strain. And you're going to have to put forth some energy through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. But you're going to have to put energy behind it. And so we recognize that, that as we stand here in, the, in, in our moments, that, that life as, it, as we know it is not always perfect and it's not always seamless. It's not. There are always this, these moments of us having to press in. People ask me all the time, saying, Steve, what do you think is going on at Vintage? And I give them basically always the same answer. And it's something along these lines. And I wrote it down. I just want to make sure because this is exactly how I think it. I say to them, if I couldn't see Jesus moving so clearly, if I couldn't see Jesus moving so clearly in the moment, then I'd be freaked out right now. I would be. I'd be freaked out. But I see him clearly. And because of it, I am at peace. And I am excited about our next steps. Listen, I recognize, you know what happens in life? If we don't know where we're ultimately getting, we can't see the destination, then there are these moments of being overwhelmed with fear, anxiety, and worry. But if we're able to see Jesus in the moment like we do here at Vintage, in this season, in this breakthrough moment, we recognize that I can have peace because of Jesus in me. So a couple, so about that same time of, of my morning prayer time, Bill Stevens, right back here in the back, here in the back he gives me this word. So I feel like God's speaking in the moment. I want to share it with you. I said, hey, put it in the email so I can have it. I want to be able to read it. So he sent me this email, and it was from Deuteronomy chapter 1. And the word was really clear. See, the Israelites in the moment, they, were, you know, they, had, they had taken camp. They had made camp at, the Mount, at Mount Horeb. It's just a big mountain. There's millions of people there, and they're just camped out. And in their camp out experience, basically things had gotten comfortable. Right? They had gotten settled there. Things were normal. Things were predictable. Their life was good. Everything was normal, right? There was no change happening. They knew what they were going to do every day. They were going to be at Mount Horeb. They're going to eat their meals and do their stuff together every day. Very, everything was very comfortable. Everything was very normal. Like they had come to their house, their new place, and they were settled in it, and everything was good. And then God, speaking to Moses, says this. It is time to move from where you are and go possess the promised land that I have prepared for you. You have to leave the comfortable place. You have to leave the status quo that you've grown, you've grown used to and comfortable with. And now it is time to move over here to the promised land because this is the ultimate vision. This is the prize. This is the destination. And let me tell you something I know about you. You are all going to be freaked out. So I'm going to tell you, don't, be fear, don't, don't fear or be dismayed. Why did he say that? Because he knew they'd be fearful and their emotions would take over and they would freak out. They'd be worried and they'd be anxious. 
And God says, do not worry or be dismayed. And so in, the, in this word, it was along the same lines, this, this idea of saying, hey, listen, there's a season of transition. You're going to have to leave the place that you are, the comfortable place, and it's going to be difficult, but you're going to have to go. You're going to have to go. So then on Tuesday night, we had our finance team meeting here at Vintage. I'm just kind of sharing with you some of the things that God's been speaking into our moment here at Vintage so that you can know that God is speaking. And so Tuesday night, had our finance team meeting talking about money at Vintage. We were in a good place, by the way. Thumbs up. We'll tell you more weeks to come, but we're in a good place. And so so anyway, we're sitting there, and, and, and the phone rings. It's Caitlin Barfield. Where's Caitlin? She's in here. She's here today. Caitlin right there in the back. And so she shot me a she shot me this voicemail, and, and I was in the meeting, and and, um, and the voicemail basically, and if you were here last week in the 11 o'clock service, you know, Caitlin got up here and just shared these powerful things that God is doing in her life and how God had moved her life at camp. And, and she was just in a time, this real sweet, intimate time with the Lord. And so she said, I see, I, I was sitting down. I felt like God wanted me just to, to sit down and to paint prophetically. Basically, which I, all that means is I'm going to sit down, listen to God, and I'm going to paint what I hear him saying or pictures that he gives me. She said, as I began to, to paint, I felt like I was supposed to paint about vintage. And she starts saying all those things that she's doing in the voicemail that sounds really cool. And she said, but there was one word, there was one word that stuck out to me that I felt like I needed to share with you and just call and tell you. I felt like it was something that was true about vintage. And she said, now I don't know if it is and, and I don't really know what is going on, but I just want to, I feel like this word was just important for us right now. She said, the word is Perseverance. Listen, she wasn't sitting here reading my mail. She, I wasn't sitting here telling her, listen, I'm struggling so much. She's not even in the know, probably. But just, just thinking through this big picture of all the things that I see, but this transition moment, all the fear and the worry and anxiety. She's just been loving Jesus at her camp, right? It's been fun for her, right? So there's all this stuff, and she just says, I just feel like God's speaking in the moment, and the word is perseverance. And she said this, and I wrote it down because I loved it. She says, I feel like for a vintage, we need to have a spirit of perseverance, and God will provide for our needs. Don't call me back. I'll see you Sunday. Bye. No, she said, all right. You don't have to call me back if you don't want to. I'll see you Sunday. Is that better? All right. Okay. And so listen, it's a simple word, right? It's a simple word. It's the word perseverance. But listen, when it came through the phone, it's like it hit my head. It went down to my toes, bounced back up and came up. And I was like, oh, Jesus, you have not forgotten us. And you are moving. You're speaking to Caitlin over here. And this prophetic art that she's doing, she hears the word perseverance. God, it's the word for the season. It's connected to exactly what you're doing with the birth pains and the contractions and the fear and the worry and the anxiety. I'm going to press through and strain to the goal that you have for us, God. We're leaving our comfortable place over here. Because like David Gillison in this past week, and he's on a leadership team, he says, Steve, I, mean, I really, really feel like God is doing is that we're kind of leaving the honeymoon period. But it's been really easy. I mean, it hasn't been easy, easy, but ultimately it's been pretty easy for the last couple of years. Like, we haven't had major conflict, major issues. And he's saying, but I feel like we're just kind of leaving that. And I've been telling you, listen, we're no longer a church plant. We're a church much more the larger churches in our area, by the way. This is crazy stuff, right? So there's this whole thing going on. I'm like, oh my gosh, God. And so we're in this transition, and he's saying, listen, it's, I feel like we're moving out of the honeymoon period. You remember, I mean, the honeymoon period, I have to get out of that. I mean, married couples, it gets hard after that, doesn't it? My marriage is perfect. I don't have, it's easy for us, but maybe it's easy for you too. You're like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to say it out loud. I might get in trouble with my wife, right? But it's like, you no, know, it's like when you leave the honeymoon period, the real marriage begins. I feel like what God is speaking to us, and this is, this is like I'm birthing something in you. Birth pangs, contractions, 
pressing onto the goal, perseverance, leaving the place where you are to get to the place where I have for you, perseverance, right? All of this stuff. And so what I feel like God is speaking in this moment, I'm not clueless. I know we're in a transition. I'm not clueless. I know that there, are, there, there is a propensity in humanity for anxiety, worry, and tension in these moments. I'm not immune to that. But I'm telling you clearly, Jesus is clear to me in the moment. And I'm sitting here going, if I didn't see you, Jesus, I would be worried. But because I see you, I'm good to go. It's not easy, but I'm pressing on towards the goal. That's where we are at Vintage. That's where we are. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to take you to Nehemiah chapter 4. If you have your Bibles there, I want you to go there. Nehemiah chapter 4. Last October, when we were in the process of saying, God, we're not taking out a loan. We're a small church, but we're going to, pray, we're going to pay for this whole thing with cash because we just feel like that's what God's conviction is for us. And we're just going to believe and we're going to pray. And God said, hey, took us to Nehemiah and said, hey, here's a story I want you to grab onto. And as we prayed in our time together, like Nehemiah was a, this is the word of God for us in season. But what I felt like God said in that moment was it's not just for that season, but it's for many seasons to come because I'm continually building it up. And, and so what's happening in Nehemiah chapter 4 it's simply this, they, you know, the, the, the Jews have been taken into captivity, and now they're over here in captivity, and so now God comes to Nehemiah and says, hey, I want you to take some Jews and go rebuild the temple. Awesome. So he does, right? God's moving in this moment. It's a miraculous thing that happened. The king says, yeah, that's great. Go ahead and go to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. You can take all the Jews that you want. Fantastic. So he goes. They get over there in the first two or three chapters. Things are going pretty well. Things are going pretty well. The, you know, the, the, the outlying countries and cities that are over here, people groups are looking saying, oh my gosh, these idiot Jews. They're just going to go rebuild this temple. It's a, it's, a, it's, just a, it's a junk pile over here. So there was no concern. Well, all of a sudden in, in chapter 4, it says that, the, that all these people all of a sudden looked at it and said, oh, they're actually building it. Oh, happening much quicker than we anticipated. Oh, we probably need to go destroy them and kill them. That's the best idea. Right? So, that is, so it says, in, so pick up in chapter, excuse me, in chapter 4, verse 8. It says this. They, being all the enemies of the Jews, they all plotted together. Right? They all plotted together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But Nehemiah says, But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild a temple. Let me, kind of, let me just speak that again. I'm going, to kind of just, I'm going to say it like they were actually saying it. Hold on a second. No, no, here we go. Verse, I'm going to say here in verse 12. It says, In the Jews who lived near the... Hold on a second. Where am I? Yeah, yeah. Verse 10. We'll say it just like they said it. The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild a temple wall. Right? They're whining. Get the picture here. You've got to read in the context of the verse. They're sitting there whiny babies, okay? It's just a word. Verse 11, also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, which meant again and again and again, hey, wherever you turn, they will attack us. This is fantastic, right? It builds morale. So in verse 13 says, therefore, I, therefore, Nehemiah says, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest parts of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, their spears, and the bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord 
who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Then it says, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. Now, what I want to do is this. I recognize at Vintage there is transition which leads attention, worry, fear, and anxiety. And I've talked to a bunch of you. And I know in your life there is transition, there is tension, there is worry, there is fear, and there is anxiety. In all of these places, what I would say is this. I believe what God is doing in us of transition, for many of you, he's calling you out also. And so what your experience is that as he changes the body of the, a vintage, he has to do a work in you of preparation. And so there's this transition in you that causes furry, furry, that causes worry, fear, and anxiety in you. That causes your own tension. Why? Because God has to do something in us. He has to do something in you. And so you carry this tension. And what happens for many of you is this. If I were to say to you, what's going on? You say, I don't really know what's going on in me. I just know I feel something. I just feel this worry. I feel this transition in my own heart. I can't put my finger on it. I say, that's great because it means God is doing something in you because he's preparing you for something here in his kingdom work. And so for many of you this morning as you come to this place, I'm, not to sp- I'm speaking in the vintage, but I'm speaking also to you because you are the body of Christ here. And there's transition and worry, all this kind of stuff happening in your life. And I want to say to you, we're to read something in Nehemiah that's for the body, but it's also for you individually. So the first thing that we see in this, it's very clear because it says it, is there is a plot against us in verse 8. It says really clear, they all plotted together. That's not rocket science. They plotted against them. The enemy is plotting against us. He's, he's looking for ways in this middle of this transition to get into us, to destroy us with our fear and our worry and anxiety, to, to keep us paralyzed from moving towards the things that he has for us. This, the enemy is moving. We talked about it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time because we've been speaking about it for the last several weeks if we look at, the, at Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6. The enemy is stirring and he is moving. And so what happens for us is that that if, we, if we're ignorant, if we're ignorant, then our birth pangs will scare us. If we're ignorant to the fact that we're actually pregnant with the vision of God, then it produces all these things of fear and anxiety and all this kind of stuff. And so we sit there and we're like, oh my gosh, ah, what's going on, right? And I'm sitting there saying, but if you know, that you, if you know what's going on, there's a vision out in front of us that God is moving, moving, moving in us. He's called us from Mount Horeb over here to the promised land to, to move from the place that we are to a new place that he has for us. Then you'll sit there and you go, oh, I'm just having a contraction. And I sure don't enjoy the process of it, right? Because they sure aren't fun. But I know the end result is good. And so in that moment, what happens is the enemy is plotting against us produce fear. And to speak against us, but if we know, and we know he's plotting and we're aware of it, then there's this freedom that comes. Because we know that God is moving in our midst. Second thing we see is this. It says in verse 9, it says, They posted guards a day and night to meet the threat. 
So we talked several weeks ago about these watchmen on the walls. And watchmen were those men you see in those movies that they're on top of the walls of the kingdom, right? And they're walking with their spears and they're looking around. And they're looking for the enemy that may be coming from a distance. And that's their job all day long to be aware of the enemy. Listen, these people who gave me these things, these are watchmen. They're simply looking out over the mass. God is speaking to them on behalf of us so that we will be prepared. Listen, what if God had never spoken any of this because we hadn't taken time to listen? Then we would be sitting here pregnant, not knowing it, and scared to death. But because God's been speaking in the moment, there's peace and there is freedom for us. It's not easy, but we know what the destination is. God doing something new. And that's what I want to say to you. Hear me very clearly is this. You cannot... You cannot let the enemy steal your calling to be a watchman for God. Because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to stir all this anxiety, worry, and fear in you to take your eyes off of the prize of Jesus, get you over here worried, and all of a sudden you just feel paralyzed and you can't hear anything. And what God wants to do is he wants to raise people up in our midst who will come and they will pray. Listen, We, listen very clearly, we have to pray. If Vintage 242 Church is your home church, and you're not praying at least an hour or two a week for it, then you're missing what God has for you as you're calling here at Vintage. Because He wants you to be a watchman. He wants you to listen to Him because He wants to speak to you so that you can sit there and say, oh, this is what God is doing in the moment. He's looking for people who will listen. Because He's always speaking. Always speaking. Posting guards. We, we, some people call them intercessors. People who are just praying over and over saying, God, we're not going to let go of you until you bring forth the vision that you have for us, God. Speak to us about the things that you're doing so we do not miss you. We need, we need watchmen. We need to post our guards up to the beginning to watch and to listen. Third thing is this. We see in verse 10, they lost hope and they began whining. They lost hope and they began whining. Listen, when things are easy, things are fun. And when things are easy, small and petty things don't matter, do they? And when things are easy, it is easy to be committed. But when things get hard, it isn't fun anymore. And when it's hard, people want to give up and they want to stop working. When it's hard, people become irritable and they are easily offended. And when it's hard, people simply want to run away. And in the moment here, they're sitting there saying, it's just so hard. There's so much rubble everywhere. I just can't do it. And all they want to do is they want to run back and go to the, they want to rather run back to captivity to sit here and work their butts off. And what he's saying is saying, listen, you came here because you have a calling from God on your life to rebuild the temple so there can be this dwelling place of God so we can reside with him again. And there's this call of God. He's saying, listen, he comes and says, you've got to stop. You've got to stop. You can't lose hope. You can't lose hope and you've got to stop whining. You Listen, at Vintage, we have a call on our lives. We have a call on our lives and the call of God is very clear. Love me with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And he's saying, this is your call. Everything else, doctrinally and theologically, all that stuff's important to a degree. But all I really want to know is, do you love me and do you love people? And if you don't love me and love people, then that's the thing you've got to focus your attention on. And if it's hard, it's hard, but you've got to give yourself to it. We've got to be a people who recognize Jesus and go after him. And when it gets hard, when we have to strain to move forward, we do it. Why? Because we have a calling on our lives. And I would say it vintage. We are in a transition moment, and it's not easy. And I need, God's looking saying, listen, there's a calling on you. Don't lose hope, and please don't whine. But engage me. And keep moving forward. Next thing we see is this in verse uh, 12. <clears throat> kind of goes along with the whining part. Is We experience friendly fire. We experience friendly fire. It says in verse 12, it says, Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us, Hey, wherever you turn, they're going to kill you. Listen, back in the day, you had um, the, 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 whoever it was came in, took the Jews captive, and some Jews escaped. And they went off and kind of hid. And they hid for a long period of time. And then finally, when things kind of smoothed over and cooled down, they looked around and said, all right, I didn't get taken captive. I'm not living in the rubble, so I'll just set up camp somewhere outside, and I'll just do life. So they connected with all these different people over here. They actually kind of became allies with all these surrounding countries around Jerusalem, all the ones who were opposed to them. And all of a sudden, in this moment, when all the Jews come back and, and they're like, oh my gosh, they're going to rebuild the temple. Oh my gosh, this is not good. Because, because enemies over here, we've been living well with them, but now they're going to kill us if they go to kill the Jews. This is not good. So what are we going to do? Let's scare the Jews. Who? Well, our brothers and sisters and tell them, don't do this. Can you imagine if Martin Luther King is walking in Birmingham, Alabama, and some African-American comes up and says, Hey, Martin, I know you're fighting for me and all, but you're making it really hard for me in the moment. And I know how bad it is over here, but I might get killed. So don't do it. In fact, listen, I've, already, I got, I've, got, a, I've got it. They're going to come and kill you tonight. I just know they're going to do it, right? And everywhere, they, everywhere he walks, people tell him, boom, boom. What does he do? He says, No, no, I have a dream. And I don't care who's telling them. Our brothers and sisters are saying, don't do this. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to, I'm going to build this thing. That's what's happening right here. There are those coming who are, who are part of the family saying, don't do this. It's so bad. Oh, worry, anxiety, fear. Right? And they're just telling it over and over and over and saying, and Nehemiah says, shut up. I have a call from God. And I don't care if her brothers and sisters are not. Shut your mouth, because you're not God. And we're going after this. But in our churches, that happens, doesn't it? We have friendly fire, people who are a part of the family. What do they do? They just sit there and they moan and they groan. Everything's so bad. Oh my gosh, I hate my life. Vengeance is crumbling. What are we doing, right? What do they do? They sit there and talk to you. What do they do? They sow these seeds of discord. And you're trusting Jesus, and all of a sudden, you find yourself going, oh, well, I hadn't really thought about that. What if this happens, and what if this crumbles, and what if that, oh my gosh, ah. And all of a sudden, you recognize the fruit of the enemy has been birthed in your life, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit has gone away. If you want to know if someone is friendly firing you, it produces fear, 
It produces worry. It produces anxiety. And if it's someone who's speaking life in the moment, it produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Friendly fire kills churches every year. There are more churches dying this year than there are being birthed by like, 10, like, by, like by 100%. Maybe 300%. I'm going to say 100% because I know that's true. It's difficult times because there's friendly fire going on because people are sitting there in the camp and what are they doing? Ooh. If that person is doing that to you, you tell them to shut their mouth and do like Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. It's what Jesus said to his brother, Peter. You have no idea what you're saying, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Oh my gosh. You're a first time guest. You're going, oh my gosh, Jesus said that? You know what I mean in the context that as people are speaking death, and just tell them to go away. If you're speaking death, just stop. Here we go. Number five. Is that too hard? Is that too offensive? Well, just read your Bible. Here we go. Verse five. Number five. Verse 13 to 14. We all have a role to play. This is beautiful. This is, we all have a role to play. So we're, so we're playing this Nerf game. And the basic gist of the Nerf game is simply this. We have 24, we have 24 senior high kids and then some of our interns, right? And each one of them has a name. And their job, that's their hit. They have, to go, they have to go track that person down with their Nerf gun and shoot them. They can't do it in any kind of church event. They can't do it inside the walls of the church. But the moment we walk out, we're free game to get shot, right? And so yesterday morning, yesterday morning, then a Friday morning, I'm sitting in my house, and, and Eddie Finley, the jerk who runs the sound back here, right? Eddie Finley's back here, and, and, and I see him drive by, and I'm like, what is he? Mackenzie Finley. She must, there she is. This is Mackenzie Finley, right? And so I, all of a sudden, listen, this is a true story. So Anna Catherine does this. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there she is, Daddy! Oh my gosh, look at she's got a gun, she's got a gun, she's got a gun, she's got a gun! Ah! Up and down the stairs like this, literally like freaking out. So much so that little Sarah, who's so, whatever old she is, she starts crying. She's seven. She goes, oh no! She just like grabs hold of me and starts crying. No! <laughs> And it was great. And so I'm like, okay, girls. So I come downstairs because I was in my holy moment, right? And, and so I come downstairs and, and I go, um, <clears throat> I said, all right, girls. Now listen, it's important for you to know this is a family game. And you were on my team, right? You were on my team. You go find her. So I open the door, and the girls go running out. All of a sudden, and it kind of goes, Daddy, Daddy, there she is. She's right here. She's in the garage. She's in the garage. She's in the garage. And Mackenzie goes, Vroom, and shoots to the door, and I jump back and miss getting shot, right? Because in the moment, what we find is this. We, all of everyone, everyone in my family in Nerf Wars has a role to play. Everyone is important, right? It is their job to keep me alive and to take a bullet for me. Right? This is the moment we're in. And so when we look here at verse 13 and 14, what do we find? It says, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families. It doesn't say he posted their dad. It doesn't say he posted the husband. Ladies, you got a, you got, you got a sword in this story. you got a big old spear right here that said, Bring it on. 
There, come, come fight a woman. You can't handle this, right? You're sitting there and the kids are sitting there going, we got to watch this hour, Daddy, right? There's this whole dynamic going down here in Nehemiah. There's a whole body. Every single person has a role to play. So we're sitting here last week and what do we do? We hear our youth just speak the words of God to us. Caleb's sitting there. She's just speaking the words of God to my life. We have our beautiful children who are up here and they're just speaking the words of God. And so last week, I was a couple weeks ago, I was talking to... Um, to uh, to Mar- excuse me to April June Sar and she was talking about the story of her daughter Eve and I want to just share this with you. This is a, a story that just spoke volumes to me that I know when I speak it will speak volumes to you. She said her daughter Eve, she was two and a half, maybe three years old. She said for many many months Eve had nightmares. Not just oh there was a spider type nightmares, but the enemy is tormenting me tormenting her kind of nightmares. She's seen the bad guy in her room a ton. Lots of times he held a bag of snakes open to show her what's inside. Then he throws them at her and they're all over her room on her hands and her hair. She goes, it's really horrible, obviously. Truly terrifying. Her screams at night are awful. It's like every night. She's seen dirty, muddy guys. She went through a long period where she would only sleep with her door open and her light, and her light had to be on, etc., right? Anyway, several months ago, some people came, they prayed for her, and prayed for us, and prayed through this. She said, the next night at bedtime, listen to this, Eve, the daughter, pointed to the same spot in her room where she'd always seen the bad guy and said, I see Jesus. He's right over there. Mommy, you can close my door tonight. This is huge stuff. You know how it is when you're a kid, right? And she goes, when I finally thought to ask her what he looked like the next day, she said, He's light and glowing with white. He's just, he's, he's, her, he's just light and glowing with white. He hadn't, he said he hadn't said anything to her, but just smiled and then turned and walked away. And then it says, then on June 9th, I heard her whispering, whispering, whispering in her room after the kids were supposed to be sound asleep, thinking that Tate had snuck into her room. I went upstairs to, ready to be mom, this disciplinarian. I was so surprised to see her in bed by herself. When I asked her what was up, she said she was talking to Jesus and, and God this time. This is beautiful, right? God was right next to Jesus. You deal with that, the Trinity, in the same place in her room, mind you. Did you say anything to her? Yes, they did. God told her he loves her. Jesus told her that when he knocks on the door, you have to open it and let him in. Oh, my gosh. Right? There's this whole... And I'm sitting there... She's telling me the story. I'm like, oh, my gosh. God is moving through our children. He's speaking through our children. Do you think that, that April got encouraged in the moment? I mean, gosh, you've been living in fear. Like, I'm a terrible mother. All of a sudden, thank you for taking care of my child, Jesus. This is huge, incredible hope being birthed inside of her. I'm telling you, listen, we all have a role to play. You have a role to play here in the body of Christ. If the primary call of your life is very simple. It is the kingdom of God and nothing else matters because the kingdom of God is eternal. And you have to find the role that God is calling you to play in the kingdom, the places that you're fighting and you're striving and you're straining, you're moving forward. You have to recognize the call of God, the gifts in your life and flesh them out. We desperately need them. We don't just ask you to take care of kids because we don't want them in here. We want you to care for our kids because it's your call to discipleship. That's why you do it. Not so you feel guilty going, oh my gosh, I don't have a call in the kids. You have a call to discipleship to everybody around you. He's saying, listen, you all have a role to play. Verse 14 says this, God is fighting. I love this. It says, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. 
He's saying, listen, the Lord is fighting for us. He is for us. He's not against us. The Lord is fighting for us. We cannot lose sight of him. The reality about God, whether you believe it or not, he's always moving forward. He's always advancing. He is always stirring. He is always ahead of the game. He is never surprised, and he's never at a loss. And we live every day thinking that God is clueless and frustrated at him because he has no idea what's going on. And good if you were here, blah, blah, blah. And we're saying God is fighting. He's with us in the midst of the presence of our enemies. Difficult times will come. Transitions will come. Hiccups will come. Difficult seasons. He's saying, God is saying, but I'm fighting for you. He is not overwhelmed. He is not taken off guard. And he's moving in our lives. The next thing we see is verse 15. Really clear, our enemy is no match for God. It says, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. Could you imagine sitting there and all of a sudden you're going to go, oh, there goes God again, fighting for the Jews. Great. What are we going to do about that? It's God, right? There's this whole dynamic going down. God frustrated the work and they pulled back and all of a sudden the Israelites were able to continue to move forward and do this thing that God had called them to do. Listen, we cannot treat the enemy as if he's an equal to God. You need to hear that. We live every day as if the enemy is equal to God, that his power is as strong as the power of God. You always have to, I always, every day I tell myself, Creator created. Creator always has authority, always has power. And I have to live in this revelation of God as creator and everything else is created. And as such, I recognize that our enemy is never a match for God moving in our life. And it's the case for us. Why am I not worried? Because God is fighting and our enemy is no match for him. That's why I stand confidently in the moment. Next thing, number eight, the last thing is verse 16 and 18. We find that the tactics, the tactics changed for the Jews who were building the temple. So the picture is pretty clear that they're all doing the work. They're all doing the work in the season. And all of a sudden they begin to get all this stuff and and people are scared and they're afraid. So what do they do? Well, they get really practical and say, well, all right, we have to be aware of what's going on. So it says that while some people work, they always had people who were holding their arrows and their spears and their swords ready looking for the for the enemy and it said that it said that um those who were doing the work in that hour had their swords or their weapons strapped to their side right i mean who has their nerf gun in here right now hold it up hold your nerf gun right this boy is right he's playing nerf gun right there's a gun right here right they're ready we came in today my wife brought our guns. They're sitting inside of the church. I just don't have it up here because I can't get shot, right? But it's in the church. I am ready to fight. You tell Mackenzie that. I am ready to fight. But I recognize, listen, when the game started, I got paranoid. Oh, my gosh. And he's going to come. Seriously. I sat there. I heard, a, I heard a noise in my garage. I went, oh, my gosh. What was that, right? <laughs> seriously. I'm like, oh. Okay, whatever. The garage, oh, it's freaking out. So, but I'm sitting here in the moment I'm thinking, God, this is what you're saying to us. The tactics have changed. My life, everyone who's playing the game, they would all attest, life has changed for us. We're always on the lookout. I mean, seriously. I mean, last night at 1 o'clock, somebody, got, I think Tyler got killed around 1.30 last night in the morning, right? This crazy stuff is happening, and the enemy is looking at all times to move. And he's saying in the story of Nehemiah, listen, we changed our tactics. We recognize, listen, everybody, 
We have to live prepared against the plot of the enemy every day. I'm not going to live in fear, but I'm going to be aware. So we're living in this transition moment here at Vintage, and all this stuff is happening. The enemy is trying to, to, to weasel, weasel his way in here and destroy us through, some, you know, through whatever it may be, this fear, anxiety, or this whole whining piece and losing hope, or maybe literally friendly fire. And we're saying, keep your eyes open. Don't get worried and don't get freaked out, right? Don't fear be dismayed. Keep your eyes on the prize. You're going to have to strain sometimes. But be aware of what's going on and shut your mouth if you're causing anxiety, worry, and fear in others. And speak life and produce through our lives the fruit of the Holy Spirit as we draw near to Him. Because the idea of God is this. He's never overwhelmed. He's never caught off guard. He knows what's going on in our life. He is always fighting for us. And the enemy is always less than. And so as we stand this morning, I say, listen, if I did not see Jesus in the moment, and if God had not been speaking so clearly through just the different, different generations of, of watchmen on the walls who are intentionally listening to Jesus on our behalf, if that was not happening, I'd be freaked out. But because He is speaking so clearly into the moment, and speaking so clearly into my life, into the lives of our people, I stand confidently today that what's in front of us is better than what's behind, and forget what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I will aim my life towards the prize of what Jesus has for us. This is the message for your life and it's the message for vintage. And what I would say to you this morning very simply is there has to be a shift for some of you in a real practical sense it's the shift of perspective and tactics. Because if you are believing lies right now, that the plot of the enemy is put against you, that there of worry and of fear and anxiety, and that's defining your life right now, I want to tell you that the enemy is speaking, and you simply need to shift and put your eyes back on the prize of Jesus. Because when you see him, you go, that's rubbish. Oh, man. This is good. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it's good what God has for us. It's true for your life. And so many of you are so caught and going, oh, my life is so hard and everything's against me and nobody likes me and it's just so hard. The enemy has just fed that lie into you and God's saying, you're saying, you've got to hope again and you've got to stop whining. You know what I'm talking about. And focus and begin to speak life. Because listen, it is just a true, it's a true statement about humanity that if we continue to speak something over and over and over and over again about death, we speak death and only focus on death, we move towards death. You, you move towards the thing that you focus on. When you're driving a car and you like to go look at the car, what happens? You find yourself going that direction. God is saying, stop looking at this over here and look to Jesus because when that happens, everything shifts. He's saying, listen, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And it is your responsibility to fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. That's the call of God in this season. He's looking for watchmen, isn't he, Bill? He's looking for a watchman who will stand up and will hear the voice of God and pray it into existence for those that they're around and for the body of Christ here at Vintage. Let's pray.